Are you talking shift? We are. It's time for the We're Talking Shift podcast. Now, now, now. Here to talk shift, Lori Bischoff. We're talking shift. Hello, I am Candace Parisi, and I am hijacking the We're Talking Shift podcast from Lori Bischoff today and interviewing her. I am so excited to turn the tables on Lori and interview her. If you don't already know Lori Bischoff, she's a personal performance coach and has been for over 10 years, a holistic health coach, and she's the author of two really great books, The Common Sense Happiness and just released book, The Food Print Plan. Also, an incredible, incredible friend of mine. And of course, she's the host, usually, of the We're Talking Shift podcast. I asked Lori if I could interview her because I, I think everybody should know her. And she gets to interview people all day. And it is a treat to be able to take over her podcast today and interview her. So thank you so much for letting me have the pleasure of interviewing you, Lori. <laughs> like I had a choice. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, this, is, uh, yep. this is fun. It's weird. It's very odd being on the other side of this strange feeling. Good. Yeah. Well, good. Well, you're so good at the being on this side. And so you're going to be excellent at being on that side as well. I'm excited about this. Thank you. I am too. It'll be fun. Yeah, we met, uh, you and I, we met a couple of years ago at the Southwest Institute for Healing Arts in Arizona, and you were the life coach, one of the life coaches, instructors there, instructors there, and um, I remember I came in to do a group reading. I'm a psychic, and I came in and I, uh, to do a group reading, so there's a whole bunch of people there, maybe like 15, 20 people and all sitting around in a circle. And basically a group reading is just where you go around and you just say stuff at people, you know, intuitively. <laughs> and uh, so I came into, I got asked to come into the class. I came into the class. You happened to be there. And uh, I remember, I remember I got to you and uh, I said something uh, to the effect of you should start your own podcast that's what right. you're doing right and um and then here we are how cool is that <laughs> I know I know it's uh, it's been an interesting journey because that's true I mean we didn't know each other we had never met and you you looked right at me and you're like you need to be on the radio or something to do with like radio or podcasting or something I'm not sure what that is but you need to be there that's what you said to me <laughs> and and I was like, wow, that's pretty interesting because I had already been, you know, working on coming up with a with a show in my head. I was already yeah. thinking about it. So I was like, hmm, there's something to this chick. She's she's like <laughs> psychic. <laughs> she might be psychic. She might so, be psychic. Yeah, I'm so yeah. glad. And then ever since then we've been friends. We just Right, right. We just exactly. Kept it going. We, we, <laughs> we became fast friends, and and here we are. A, a, a lot has happened in in the like twenty four months. I'm telling you, you're a busy lady. First of all, 
I have a lot of questions for you. So don't try to take this over. Just let me ask the questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do my Back best. To me. Back to me asking the questions. Okay. Why? Okay. Here's my first question. And this is a question that I am very curious about. Um, because I don't think you've ever told me before, uh, why did you become a coach? Like, why did you get into coaching at all? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, it, I was thinking a lot about this myself lately because I, I think that sometimes we, we think we know what started us on our path and, and sometimes we do, but for me, when I thought more deeply about this recently, I realized that what I, what I thought was the reason I became a coach, actually the reasons that I thought were actually the circumstances, but the reasons started long before then. So uh, I'll explain. Um, I, uh, in, in 2007, by then my, my kids were grown and I now decided that I could do, you know, the next phase of my life. And I had this great idea, um, to create this big weekend event for mothers. It was just gonna, I wanted it to be like this big, you know, Tony Robbins style event with speakers and workshops, um, targeting women that were mothers, um, to help them create a more balanced and fulfilling life. And when I did that, um, I met a life coach. I had never heard of life coaching before I did that. I didn't realize that it was a thing. And in the process of hiring speakers, um, I met somebody that was a life coach and we hired her to become one of our, one of our guest speakers. And that's how I, I learned about it. That's how it became on my radar screen. And I thought, wow, this is, this is what I need to do. Cause actually that's what I was doing by creating this event. I just didn't realize it. And I thought, oh, I can actually become that. And I thought this is perfect because all through all through my um, younger years and when I was in school, I always wanted to be like a counselor or a therapist or, you know, a psychologist. I always wanted to do something in that genre where I was, I was helping people. And the problem was the, the wall that I hit that wouldn't let me go down that path was that I just flip and hated school every damn day of it. I hated <laughs> it. I hated it so much, which meant there was no way I was going to college. So that pretty much wiped <laughs> out all those things I, you know, that I wanted to be because clearly without um, college, I wasn't going to be able to, to do that. So I just went on, you know, with my life. And then, um, and then I discover, you know, fast forward to 2007, I discover there's an industry called life coaching and I could get, you know, some training that wasn't going to require six or eight years of college. And I could become, and I could do the things that I wanted to do. It would allow me to do, you know, fulfill that dream, um, just in a different, in a different way. So, so that's, mm -hmm. that was the thing. That's why I just, I always wanted to do that. And, and then I was able to, and it was super exciting for me because by then I was so ready and I had so much life experience behind me by the time, 
you know, I found out about this industry way more than had I gone right from being, you know, a teenager and then into college and then, you know, embarking on a career of trying to help others with their lives. Now, you know, by 2007, I had, I had a couple of decades of valuable life experience under my belt on top of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And did your mom want you to go to college or was she like, yeah, do whatever you want, Lori? <laughs> yeah. My, my mom was my, my best friend in the world and mm-hmm. she was definitely had my back no matter what I wanted to do. There was, I don't even remember in my family, I don't mm-hmm. even recall ever having a conversation about college. I don't ever, the topic never came up and I don't know how that, how that happened or didn't happen. Cause it did with my sister. My sister went to college, but it just, it never came up. And maybe it's because my mom was, um, wise enough to know that I was super, super independent at a really young age. And I think that she just knew that, you know, on some level, she knew that I was going to do what I was going to do. And she would just support whatever that was, including my really, seriously, my big going rogue moment, which Mm -hmm. was back to what I said. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Mm -hmm. So which my my big Mm -hmm. rogue moment, um, going back to how I felt about school was that I dropped out of school uh, in my senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, by today's standards, that may not be so, um, rogue ish, but back in 1978 in the suburban <laughs> town that I lived in, it was definitely a little outside of protocol to drop mm-hmm. out of school in your senior year. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the norm. So for me, um, I, I realized that I had to get out of there. I I just needed to be in a different environment. And um, so that, you know, school was just very, it was like wearing a straight jacket for me. I, and I, I just, I couldn't thrive in that environment. I had to go. I, I just couldn't wait any longer. I just wanted to get out and perform in my life. And that, that institution was not allowing me to do that. So that's why thinking back to my reasons for being a coach, kind of circling back around Mm -hmm. to that, you know, it was fundamentally because in my own experience of not being able to to realize I couldn't stand the constriction and the conformity and, and the rules, so many dumb rules. You know, I had to bust out. And and so becoming a coach, I realized the connection there was that um, I fundamentally, I just believe that everybody needs to do what they need to do in their own way and in their own timing in order to perform, to perform well in their own life, you know, according to their standards. So it's really why I was ultimately called to become a coach. It's because I, I love helping people get unstuck. And that's where I was. I was Mm -hmm. stuck there. And I, I just, I needed to find something better for me. And that's what I love to help other people do. And do you mostly do personal performance coaching or holistic health coaching? Because I know I just finished reading the uh, the Foodprint Plan, 
and mm-hmm. it's an excellent book. And it le- it has a little bit of both in there. Right. It's, it's both the it both helps you just as a person, but also in the holistic health direction as well. And so, which one do you lean into more? Do you think, or is it just equal? Yeah, it, you know, there you can't really separate them. I mean, as as human beings, um, performing well in your life you know, whatever that means for you, kind of to me necessarily means that you are, you know, you're physically fit, you're emotionally fit, uh, you're just, you're, you're spiritually fit and you can't really, they, all those areas, those three main areas all affect each other. So when I'm coaching, um, a client, usually at some point throughout our, our, our coaching relationship, we end up exploring each of those areas because they're all connected. You know, you can't separate them. Right. Each one supports the other. So for some people, you know, the emphasis or the reason that they might um, start working with a coach or with me is because maybe it's initially, I really need help with my, um, with my health and wellness. We, you know, we start there, but, but typically the reason somebody is coming to you for health and wellness is probably be, you, you kind of go back to the beginning to figure out how they ended up getting in that state that they're trying to move out of in the first place, which means you're moving into, you know, their emotional and mental fitness. And, mm-hmm. and that's how it works with everything else. If somebody's coming to you for, um, you know, uh, to deal with a, a stressful relationship, sometimes when you're in serious states of stress, then it's affecting the other areas. Like maybe your diet is going down the toilet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's very mm-hmm. hard to separate them all. And you usually end up, uh, talking and exploring a little bit, at least in each area, depending on what, you know, the main thing that a person is initially coming to you for. So I like to be able to feel confident that I can help somebody in, in each of those areas because of that connectivity. Right. And do you have your own, um, holistic health routine? Do you get up in the morning and do the same thing every day? Do you have like, what is your routine for your own self? And maybe some pointers for people who need quick. I know that you're a quick, sometimes you're a quick fix. There's a, you can just do this and then you feel so much better. Is there anything that you do in your own life that just peps you up and makes you feel good when it comes to your health? Yeah, well, definitely coffee. (laughs) (laughs) But you make, you make a certain kind of weird coffee. You put a whole bunch of stuff in it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm partially joking. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, we've talked about that before and and it's becoming pretty common now for people to make bulletproof coffees and fat coffees. And, you know, I, I do enjoy starting my day with that. Um, but you know, I am a person of, I am a person that likes rituals and Mm I, I, I have certain standards that I, that I strive to maintain that, that are non-negotiable standards. And so, Mm. you know, I need to be able to do a certain degree of things physically um, every day. And so what, what I mean by that is I don't 
I don't have a rigorous exercise routine that I adhere to every single day. But what I mean is on any given day, there are things in my life that I want to be able to do, whether it's, um, you know, riding a bike or doing my yoga or going out hiking or, you know, rebuilding the fire pit with river rocks and being able to load them and unload them. I just want to be able to achieve a certain level of physical activity whenever I whenever I need to and want to. So in order to do that, you know, there's certain standards that I have to maintain and I maintain those standards by, by moving. And sometimes that means I'm just going to get in some stretching. Sometimes that means I'm going to, uh, do some weight training. Sometimes that means I'm going to do some yoga. Sometimes that means I'm just going to go out, you know, for, for long, vigorous walks with the dog. So it's not a, um, it's not a set in stone. This is what I do exactly this at this time every day. But for me, it's, this is, I always do something that's physical so that I'm moving and I'm a high energy person anyway. So I need to move. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, but I mix it up depending on, um, I, I like to have it integrate into, into my day and, I know that's opposite of what a lot of people do where, you know, that are into physical fitness big time. Um, mm-hmm. if their day works around it, it's, it's a priority. Like, you know, at 7 a.m. I'm going to do this every day or, you know, whatever it is, which is cool too. I think you have to find the formula that works for you. For me, it works more, uh, it works better at this time in my life that I integrate mm-hmm. what I feel like doing in that moment into my day. So I might be in the middle of I might be in the middle of two hours of sitting at my computer working. And then all of a sudden I just spontaneously get up and I pull out my yoga mat and I just start, I, I stretch and I do some calisthenics or I, or I grab some weights and I just go, I'm inspired to do this now. So I'm doing this now. Mm-hmm. So, so my routine is very much tailored to what works for me. The same things don't work for everybody. And no, I used to have a whole different routine. Years ago, I was, you know, at 10 o'clock a.m., four days a week, I was in the gym working for an hour. So that worked for me then. But right. my main thing is yeah. my main thing is that I is that I maintain the rituals that help me stay at the standards that are important to me for my quality of life. Yeah, and you and I talk about this often. It's just about showing up. You can want to do something and want it and want it. But if you can't show up to it, it just doesn't exist for your life. You got to be consistent. Yeah, that's really it. It's about consistency. So even if, uh, even if you're busy, like for me, sometimes I'll get really into something and I'm so immersed in it that a couple of days will go by and then I'll realize, oh, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't moved as much as I need to. And then, you know, and then I'll dive back in a little bit and bring it up. So it's not, it's not about the, it's not so much about making that needle move every single day at, to a high degree, but it's about, if you look over the course of weeks and months and years, you can see that even though the, the, the blips may be up and down a little bit, but overall they're up because there's a, there's a level of consistency that's been maintained over a long period of time. So it's kind of my whole Kaizen philosophy. It's just, it's continual, consistent improvement, just step by step. And, and those small steps consistently done and improved upon over the course of time is what creates 
for me anyway, um, the state that I thrive in. What's Kaizen mean? I'm not quite sure. Yeah, that's that's like that. It's a Japanese business philosophy. And that's basically mm-hmm. what it is. It, it, in a nutshell, it means um, constant improvement, consistent over mm-hmm. time. Oh, okay. Got it. Oh, yeah. In- great. It, yeah. Consistent, incremental, constant improvement. That's called Kaizen. Yeah. Yeah. You're constantly working on something. You are growing. You're, you're teaching yourself something. You're always on the go. You're always, even when you're meditating, you're doing it 100%. I think that there's just a lot of integrity around every single thing that you do and you show up for everything so fully for this podcast. This is a fantastic podcast for all the stuff that you have been creating in your life before today. Everything has, it's a balls to the wall. You just go all in and (laughs) you put, you put yourself out there um, and be daring and I think that's such a huge, huge thing. You, you are someone who is always rooting for life and being, you know, you're somebody that has just an enormous amount of drive and happiness in them. And so even when I met you that first day, you're just like, you know, this, this being that's constantly uh, growing as if your life is just this every day is this new adventure. And I think that that's, you know, I'm sure there's other reasons why you're great at all the stuff, but that alone is inspiring. It's, it's inspiring. <laughs> I think you, I, you don't, you're not a big fan of me talking nicely about you, but you are, <laughs> but it's, it's inspiring. It's inspiring to, um, I think that so many coaches and so many, uh, different people out there talk. Uh, they have a, they have something that they say. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. they talk in one way and they live their life in a different way. And you certainly don't. All the stuff that comes out of your mouth, you're literally doing it. And so I just think it breathes more life into what you're doing when you're you're being honest like that. Mm, thank you. Well, I think uh, I I really. I kind of subscribe to that, uh, that saying, and you may have heard it, it, it's, it's how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. yeah. And so, and I realized that, you know, for me that that's very, that's a very prevalent way of, in the way that I move through life. So whether I'm, you know, making my bed or doing the dishes or coaching with, a you know, somebody or, or making a meal, there's just, I've realized as I watched my own patterns, as I've gone through life, um, that I have a tendency to, to do that. That applies to me, I guess, in so many areas, how I do anything is how I do everything, which means I'm very, uh, I'm very thorough and I'm very detail oriented and I'm very much like, well, okay, if I'm going to make the bed, I'm going to do a really good job, even though I'm the only one that sees it, (laughs) you know, it's not like I'm hosting dinner parties in my bedroom. So nobody else is going to see it, but I do. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, but I see it. I want it to be perfect. I, you know, and I don't mean perfect in, I have to have everything perfect because 
I used to be that way, but I've learned that, but it has to be good (laughs) enough for me, you know, or if I'm making a meal, uh, you know, I want to do it in a way that it's the best. And that's what I, what I mean by perfection, by being perfect. It's the best that I can do. And so, you know, that's how I do everything I realize is to the best that I can with attention to detail. And that to me is integrity. So Mm -hmm. it applies to the things that I'm doing. It applies to the attitude that I have and the way that I'm thinking, um, the way that I try to think about other people and circumstances. And I think, uh, yeah, it's just, it's part of what drives me. That makes me feel good to know what my standard of integrity is and then living up to it. And I think that, you know, the way that you are able to maintain a high a high standard of integrity or a high level of or degree of integrity is by making sure that you uh, apply that kind of mindset and effort to everything that you do, even the little things, then the big things, it just comes easily and naturally. Right. Yeah. And you always talk about uh, going rogue, Mm -hmm. going rogue. And especially in this podcast, you have, you talk about going rogue and it's such a huge part about how you, uh, you know, you make your life. And what does going rogue mean to you? Like how in your life do you feel like, in what categories do you feel like you go rogue? Yeah, I think, um, well, you know, again, I think, I think when I first realized I was really, um, that was just part of, of what I do was my, high school years when I was, when I was not behaving the way that the majority was behaving. And, and it's not to say, you know, I, I wasn't a, I wasn't a a bad kid or anything. I, I just wasn't, I just wasn't conforming. I don't like conformity. I resist mm-hmm. it a lot. And that's when it was really showing itself because I always felt so, much like a square peg in a round hole where everyone else just seemed to be, you know, doing just fine. And it didn't really seem to bother them. But for me, it was just so uncomfortable. And so I think, you know, the, um, going in, going in late every day and skipping school and all I wanted to do was be out and, and work and, and make a living and earn money and, you know, and explore and do things. Um, those things at a young age, were pretty rogue for, you know, where, for my environment and my time. And I think that, you know, I, I just, I, I always worked. Um, I always had a job, even when I was little, I worked. And even when I was babysitting, I turned it into a business. So, you know, I was advertising (laughs) and marketing and and had regular (laughs) clients, you know, at the age of, you know, (laughs) before you can drive, that's what you do usually as a young girl to make money before you're old enough to get a, a job and drive a car, you babysit. So, so that's what I, so that's what I did. I, I found a, um, a partner basically, which was my girlfriend. We're like, let's turn this into a business. And we, we advertised and we had regular clients and we made our own money and, you know, we bought our own clothes. And, and then of course that all came to an end when we, 
learned to drive and discovered boys, you know, that no more babysitting. <laughs> so forget about that. <laughs> there, forget about that. Way more, way more fun things to do. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but then I, you know, I, but then I got a real, like a real job, I, I call it, you know, basically where you're on, you know, somebody else's payroll, but I always had like two or three or four jobs at one time. And, uh, and then we started a business again when I was like 20 years old. Um, mm -hmm. I guess that entrepreneurial spirit was just always in me. And so that was something that was, um, that was a kind of a rogue move too, um, to be, we weren't even of legal drinking age yet. <laughs> and we started, we started another business when we were 20 years old and, um, just, it was a, it was a colossal failure, but we had the guts <laughs> to try. <laughs> <laughs> but here's what here's the two good things a we had the we had the metal and the guts to try and mm -hmm. you know whatever we survived the failure but the most important thing that came of that um huge failure was in this <laughs> biggest thing the biggest turning point in my life that's where I met the man that would become my husband who I'm still married to this now 30 over 30 what five years later Nice. 35. Over 35? Yeah. Well, years? I mean, we will, it will be 35 years this year will be our anniversary. But, you know, we were together for a couple years before we got married. So, yeah, over 35 years. We've known yeah. each other. Oh, I met him. I met him and he is, uh, he's handsome. So you did a good job. <laughs> no, he was the most gorgeous punk of man I had ever laid eyes on. Oh yeah. And he has a smoker and a, a motorcycle. I mean, <laughs> how can you lose? You know, <laughs> he's, he's a badass. Yeah. He's yeah. a, he's a, he's a rogue. He's, he's definitely, uh, a, a going rogue kind of guy too. So, um, yeah. We get along. We get along pretty well. Yeah. Staying <laughs> married for 35 plus years is, is a rogue story all on its own these days, I think. <laughs> truly, truly. But, um, uh, but yeah, so my, so my point is by, by being willing to, you know, do things that would be considered, uh, risky to a lot of other people, mm -hmm. it, it, it always led me to something that was amazing. And that's a perfect example that, that risk to jump in and do something that like <laughs> we were totally, um, um, I won't say not qualified, unprepared, mm. I should say, to mm. do well, <laughs> unprepared to do well, and just not young and naive and, you know, in circumstances and all that kind of stuff. Um, but being willing to do that and try anyway, um, it led me to what was to become the most amazing adventure of my life that I couldn't even possibly have, have imagined or foreseen before then. Yes, and you have beautiful, beautiful children. We do. We do. Mm -hmm. You yeah. both have wonderful kids. So you did good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So I think, you know, when, when, and that's one of the reasons that is so cool about the podcast and sharing people's stories and their, their own version of going rogue is that it, it, demonstrates to other people. It, it helps other people see that, you know what, sometimes if you are just, um, if you can just do it, if there's something that you just really want to do, but you're scared, but if you do it anyway, 
man, the things that can open up to you, you just, you never know. And it's so, it can be so exciting. And uh, when we share those stories, I think it really helps inspire other people. And it sort of gives them permission in a way to go, well, you know, if they did it and it worked out. Maybe I can too. Thank you so much for letting me interview you. I thank you so much for letting me hijack your podcast. I admire you and I am so grateful, so, so grateful to be able to take over today and ask you the questions. I learned some new stuff about you that I didn't know. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I listened to your podcast, obviously. And at the end of every podcast, you ask the same question. And the question always is, what's the value of going rogue? So I'm going to ask you that same question. So Lori Bischoff, what's the value of going rogue? Aha. You're enjoying this, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) You better believe I am. (laughs) All right. Cool, cool. So here's here's my, my take on the value of going rogue. I think that you know, when, when you go rogue, what you're really doing is you're moving from a place of certainty, like to a path of uncertainty and, and doing that takes a combination of, of courage and of faith and of willingness. And I think that, you know, if you're willing to trust yourself and you're willing to have faith in that sort of divine nudge, you know, that's urging you to jump, to go rogue. And then you're willing to muster the courage to, to heed that calling, you know, whatever that calling is for you. Well, then I think that even though you're entering a phase of unknown and you trust that life is going to turn out okay, you know, you're trusting that it's what you're supposed to do and that it's on some level you like your soul level, but on some deep level, you, you know, that it's going to be of immense value to the unfolding of your life. So that, so by being willing to trust that calling and to go rogue, it means that even though you're uncertain about how things are going to play out, but you're certain enough in your own mind and in your own faith or your higher power that you'll be able to rise to any challenge. And then Besides the fact that it could be the adventure of a lifetime for you, which is how certainly it's turned out for me, but the added value to that is that your faith in your own abilities becomes so much stronger and you develop new capabilities and strengths that you might not even know you had before. So you become resilient. And I think that that resiliency enables you to be like, irrepressible, you know, unstoppable. And then ultimately you're able to shine and to be happy regardless of any outer circumstances. And I think that that's really, when you, when you can get to that place, you've really mastered yourself. What a great answer to your own last question. Thank (laughs) you so much for sharing that. You are so awesome. I am so, so glad I got to be here and experience this with you. Thank you for letting me hijack this. Thank you for answering that last question. I'm going to be thinking about this 
what you just said for weeks. Thank you so much. I am sending you all my love. You're wonderful. I can't wait. I can't wait to talk to you soon in person. Wow. This was this you. was fun. <laughs> I know, I know, I know that will, our time will come again. And, uh, and this was really fun. I'm, I'm glad you just came in and, and took over and I, I really enjoyed it. And I think that you should stay on with me for a second and, uh, and say our goodbyes and you get to say our, our famous last line. You want to? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Bear with me. Bear with me. <laughs> All right. So, so everyone, that wraps up We're Talking Shift today, where you got to hear a little bit more about uh, yours truly here. I hope that you love what you heard. And, you know, I would be so delighted if you would subscribe if you haven't already and share your thoughts with me and give me a killer rating. That would be so sweet. Uh, if you're trying to make some shift happen in your life, you know where to find me, all the social media platforms, or just head on over to lauriebischoff.com or we're talking shift.com. So thank you, you guys, for listening. Love you so much. And until we talk again next week, stay feisty, my friends, and go make some shift happen. You too, Gary V. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to desantisprod at gmail.com.